It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six-month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and today I'm here with Rafael Torres. He's a color and auricular therapist that specializes in trauma and chronic pain. Rafael's path to health and wellness started at an early age due to his passion for anatomy and sports, such as soccer and tennis. In his spare time, you can find him at the Henzo Gracie Academy, training under world-renowned Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor John Danaher. He's also a huge animal lover and has a Jack Russell Terrier, who he refers to as his little assistant. With over 20 years of hands-on experience in the health and wellness industry, Rafael has come across numerous recovery techniques. Throughout that time, he has learned from world-renowned physicians, neurophysiologists, auricular therapists, chromotherapists, posturologists, soft tissue specialists, and biomechanics specialists. This has allowed him to offer his clients the best results for recovery. He's the founder and owner of Recap Wellness, formerly known as Torres Fitness. He is one of the first muscle activation technique specialists in New York City, as well as the first practitioner trained by world-renowned French medical doctor, um, Michel mm, Marignan. Marignan, thank you, in posturology mm-hmm. and uh, with auricular therapy in the United States. He's also the first practitioner in North America to be trained in chromotherapy for diminishing the symptoms of anxiety and chromocerebral integration technique. Raphael often travels to Europe to further his studies in auricular therapy and chromotherapy. He also holds pop-ups and classes throughout the nation and is available as an international guest speaker. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm really excited to talk with you and let our listeners know um, about your work specifically when it comes to trauma and um, how this 
uh, type of healing work can impact them, uh, impact their lives so they can um, release sexual trauma they have, other trauma that's keeping them from being able to really show up fully in a relationship. Um, and yeah, just see what kind of fun we're able to have today. Perfect. I'm excited. Let's get started. Let's do it. Yeah. So how did you get started with all of this? I mean, this is very specialized work that you do. How did you even find out about it? It's a type of trauma therapy that I hadn't heard of before. So, you know, I, you know, like you said, I, I've been in this industry for quite some time and my specialty was pretty much working with people in pain, uh, in particular chronic pain. And I was, you know, always out studying, always trying to learn more. And I was out in Europe uh, studying some um, auricular therapy out there. I was interning uh, down in uh, Denmark, actually. I'm, I'm sorry, not Denmark, in Copenhagen, uh, which is part of Denmark. Anyway, um, I, was, I was out there studying. And I remember while I was there, there was a client who came in, who had some really, you know, traumatic uh, events that had happened to her. And the therapist went ahead and started doing these techniques with these colors. And I saw, the, I saw her just completely relax and stop crying within, within, I would say, less than two minutes. And I was really blown away by it. I was just like, whoa, this is, this is really weird. And after the session, I remember, you know, walking her out and sitting down with her outside the office. And I asked her, I was just like, hey, listen, you know, seriously, how do you feel? And she said to me, I feel okay. Like, I'm at peace with what had happened. And I was like, are you serious? She was like, yeah. It was like, I feel completely calm. And that really blew me away. And while I was there, I was just like, you know what? I started learning more about that, you know, these techniques using colors. And I came back to the States and I started to explore more and, and, and start practicing with like some friends and some family members and using these techniques. And every single person that I used these techniques with had the same results. You know, one or two things would happen. Either they could no longer think of the, of the trauma, like they know that it happens, but they're now kind of disassociated to it. Um, they try to think about it. They know that it happened, but they can't really see the image anymore. And all of the anger or sadness or fear or whatever it was that it was giving them, all of that dissipated with them as, with that as well, um, as well as all the visceral sensations. So a lot of times when somebody is experiencing emotional trauma, you know, you know, again, emotional trauma is pretty much PTSD. Um, they can have a lot of visceral sensations. For example, they can have like, oh, my throat is closing up, or I feel like there's. Uh, somebody sitting on my chest or butterflies in my stomach. Um, every time they think of this trauma or they get triggered by something that, you know, causes, causes these visceral effects, all of that also diminishes or completely goes away. Um, so I started getting these results and um, I just kept on, you know, 
fine tuning the technique. Uh, I worked with other uh, medical doctors out in South America, uh, as well as in, in Europe, trying to kind of continue to fine tune this stuff. Um, and that's pretty much uh, how I got involved with that aspect of, of my job, which is to work with people with emotional traumas. Mm, that definitely is huge because so many people, I mean, especially right now coming out of this pandemic that we've been in, a lot of people have trauma from everything that we've experienced collectively and individually. And um, clearly sexual trauma is something that's huge. The statistics are one in two women, one in five men, but it's probably even higher for men than one in five. It's just men don't report it as often as women do. And so, and we see, especially with women, how it the sexual trauma does create pain. Like they have so much pain in their bodies from it that it's hard to enjoy sex. Um, have you seen women do this type of work and be able to heal that trauma and be able to have less pain or no pain from sex? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've, I've worked with people who um, they've had, they've experienced some traumas that they start sabotaging their current relationship because of uh, past experience, whether they were sexual traumas or a trauma from uh, a relationship, a bad relationship, or an abusive relationship. Um, I've worked with uh, women that can't really open up sexually uh, due to their previous experiences, um, whether it happened, you know, in a relationship or as a child. Um, I remember working with this one woman who she would just have sex with her, I think it was her boyfriend or her husband, um, just because, you know, she knew that she had to, uh, not because she wanted to. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of that going on, unfortunately. Um, so my job is to help process those previous traumas. And what I mean by process is basically, let's say, you know, you and I were sitting at a cafe and, uh, we see a car accident. Okay. And, you know, let's say, you know, you see this and you're like, oh, well, well, that sucks, you know, and you move on. You're like, you know, all right, you forget about it, you move on. I see this and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe that just happens. I'm never going to get in a car again, or I'm going to be super careful every time I'm going to cross the street, or I'm going to, or I start getting these heart palpitations every time I try to cross the street or get in a car. What happened there is that when this trauma happens, all of that information, when we're seeing it, we're hearing it, we're smelling that, all of that information gets stored in the right hemisphere of the brain. It comes into that right hemisphere, okay? And in order to process, it needs to transfer over to the left hemisphere of the brain. That's when you know the left hemisphere is the more positive hemisphere. It's where pro it's where all that processing happens. That that whole transfer needs to go over to that left hemisphere. When it doesn't, you kind of get stuck. You get stuck in that fight or flight mode. So the techniques that I do is to help process that information and get it over to that left hemisphere, so that you now your brain says, "Hey, I'm no longer in danger." 
you know, this is in the past, this is over. So there's no need to stay stuck in that fight or flight mode. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. Really interesting. Uh, I know you, you worked with me on this and I was doing, working on an experience that I had with my grandmother before she died. And uh, the audience has been here with me through this whole experience of living with my grandmother and her dying and the move to New York and, and everything. And so, um, uh, you know, I'll definitely share this part of it as well. There's, there was a, a moment um, where, you know, I walked into her house and she was really upset. And this was, um, she was getting close to, to death. She was probably, it's probably a month, month, month and a half before she died. Um, and my grandmother had always been my my person, like my most important person, the person that I had always felt unconditional love from, like, and no matter what I did, I never doubted um, that she loved me. And uh, I never experienced any type of negativity from her my entire life. And so to walk in and like her be just in this rage and just really like this out of control state that she was in just so incredibly upset and projecting that onto me and like it was a traumatic experience because it was like this this person who I had known my entire life in one way was like suddenly flipped and wasn't that anymore and so like I definitely was in that fight or flight. Um, it was flight, actually. Like, I stayed calm in the moment. I got her calmed down. I took care of her, you know, like, suppressed those feelings that I had. But, like, I just wanted to run away. And, like, after I got her calmed down and everything was all right, like, I just went into my room. And, like, I should have done something around, you know, reenacting um or like letting myself have the experience of running away or something but it did it got stuck and like it was a very like I kept replaying that moment of walking in and just seeing her like that and it was like death was all over her like the color of her skin and and everything it was just it was horrifying to see my my grandmother that I love so much in this state and um so when we we worked on that, um, like, I clearly, you know, can still remember having the experience, but it doesn't feel like I'm in that same, um, that same state of, like, feeling like I need to run away, like, it was a traumatic experience, it's something that I, I can remember it happened, um, but I don't feel triggered by it, like I did before, where it was haunting me. You know, it's really interesting because I remember when you and I first started talking about this, every time you would uh, mention your grandmother, I mean, just saying your grandmother, you would get teary-eyed. You would get emotional about it. Um, and that's, that's the beauty about these techniques um, is that it, you're able to now focus on the positive things that has happened opposed to being stuck with the negative. Um, so that's, that's what I find very, very powerful about this type of stuff, um, is you're, 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 we're able to help people, um, let go of the past 
and not just let go of the past, but acknowledge that it was in the past uh, and that there's no more danger. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, and, and like I mentioned with you, it's like just saying the word grandmother, I remember you just start, you know, immediately um, getting, um, you know, emotional and start crying about it. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see that, you know, here, you know, we had a very successful session. Um, and what's, what's also good about these techniques is that once you process a trauma, it's processed, it is done. Um, I followed, I've been doing this for many years and I followed up with uh, a lot of my clients throughout the years. And I always check in and I, and I ask them, hey, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about that you know, trauma or that experience or that internal conflict that we worked on six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, whatever it may be. And every single one of them says to me, you know, I'm okay. Like it's in the past. Like I don't even, or, or, or better yet, they, a lot of times they even say to me, like, I don't even think about that anymore. Like I, I like it, it means nothing to me anymore. So, you know, that's, 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 I find that to be pretty cool because once it's processed, it is processed. Yeah, that's really, really cool. What kind of link have you seen between trauma and chronic pain? So, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll come across people, you know, that they come to me for chronic pain, but will come to me because they have, uh, let's say, chronic back pain or chronic neck pain. Um, and the very, very first question that I ask to them is like, hey, listen, before the pain started, maybe a year, maybe two years prior to the pain started, um, did you experience an emotional trauma? And if they say yes to me, about 70% of the time, not always, but about 70% of the time, either once we process that trauma or internal conflict, and, and I'll explain what an internal conflict and a trauma is in a second, but once we process that, either all of the pain goes away or significantly uh, decreases. Uh, and the reason is, is because your, your, your body is holding on to that trauma, it's holding on uh, to that tension, um, not to get too scientific uh, with neurology with you guys, but the part of the brain that stores, you know, your memories and traumas and emotions is called the limbic system. And that limbic system also works very closely with your vestibular system, which is your inner ear, your balance. So if, you're, if your inner ear is a little bit off, it's going to um, cause that side of your body to be a little bit more tight and rigid than the other side. So you'll have people like, oh, my, you know, it's always the right side of my lower back that hurts. And it could be because that right vestibular system is a little bit off. And when we process that trauma, all of a sudden that vestibular system starts working better and the pain goes away. I think the best example that I can give you for that is a woman that came to see me a few years ago, maybe three, four years ago, I think probably closer to four years ago. She was in a very abusive relationship and she ended up catching, I don't know whether he had cheated on her multiple times, uh, but I do remember that she caught her boyfriend at the time in the act uh, 
and uh, of cheating on her, you know, having sex with this other woman. And she, you know, fast forward, you know, I think maybe a year later or so, uh, she's dating this guy um, who she, you know, she said to me, she was like, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's great. Um, but I keep on sabotaging the relationship. Now, the original reason why she came to see me had nothing to do with that. She came to see me because her motion sickness was so bad um, that she would get in the elevator and she would need to hold on to the sides. That's how bad her motion sickness, her vestibular system was all out of whack. And as soon as we processed that trauma of, of you know, catching her ex-boyfriend cheating on her, all of a sudden I said to her, I was like, you know what? Let's go out on the elevator. Let's, let's test this. Let's see how you feel. Uh, because she also had some lower back pain and that resolved you know, immediately. And then we tested in the elevator, zero motion sickness, like nothing. Um, and she would also get motion sickness. You know, I'm based out of New York. So when she would get in the subway, she would get motion sickness. No more motion sickness. Now, the best part about this uh, uh, experience with this client was that about a year later, she ended up marrying the guy that she was dating with, that she kept on sabotaging that relationship. Um, so that, you know, that in itself, I thought was pretty amazing, you know, and uh, I like to think that, you know, I might have played a small little role in that. Um, but she was no longer sabotaging a relationship and she ended up getting married like a year later. So that, you know, and they're still married to this day. So that makes me really happy. That's awesome. That's really great. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the big things in relationships is sabotaging because of past relationships or uh, something with your mother or father from childhood, these things impact us and we carry them. So it's really cool to hear that you've got another way of dealing with this trauma. What would you say are, um, I know there's a, a wide range of options on how to deal with trauma. Um, what are some of them and how does your system fall in alignment with some of the others? Um, how does what you do differ from therapy? Just curious about like, if somebody is experiencing trauma, is this a first step? Is this a second step? Oh, that's a great question. So there's many techniques out there that are excellent techniques, you know, um, one of the most famous ones is called EMDR, uh, which has to do with eye motions. So you basically just, uh, you have to talk about it, but while you're talking about it, you start doing these certain eye movements to kind of connect those hemispheres. It's a fantastic technique. Um, you know, but with EMDR, it, it, it can take time. Um, it could take sometimes an hour to process a single trauma. Sometimes it could take multiple sessions to process a single trauma. It could take you know, six, eight sessions to process a trauma. Um, so it, it can be a little bit taxing. Uh, there's uh, something called EFT, emotional freedom technique, that has to do with like tapping meridian points, tapping points on, on, uh, on your face, on your body to help kind of get you out of that fight or flight. Uh, mode. Uh, there's another one that's uh, pretty good also called brain spotting. Uh, that also has to do with, uh, with the eyes. 
Um, and all of these are great. The difference between those and what I do, which is uh, chromotherapy, light therapy, um, mixed with auricular therapy. Uh, I also do light therapy going through the eyes. Um, the difference is that within a session, we can process anywhere between three to four, uh, give or take traumas. Uh, the processing happens extremely fast. And I would say in a virtual session, it could take anywhere between um, 10 to 15 minutes to process a trauma um, normally. Uh, in an in-person session, it could take me three to five minutes at most. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a big difference, you know, is that the processing happens extremely fast. And on top of that is we're giving an opportunity for people to process traumas that they haven't even shared with their own therapist or shared with anyone. And the reason that is, is because a lot of people, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to say, hey, my husband uh, or my ex-husband was abusive or I was sexually assaulted when I was a child or my family member did this to me or whatever it may be. They don't want to share that with somebody. So that's what's so great about this also is that I don't need to know, or the practitioner doesn't need to know um, why um, why they're there, or or um, or what the trauma is. As long as the person knows what it is that the trauma that they experienced, the practitioner doesn't need to you know doesn't need to know it. Yeah, that's great because a lot of people don't want to talk about it, and they will avoid you know, getting work around their traumas because it's just too much. It's too embarrassing. Um, being somebody that is and has been abused or is in an abusive relationship, it feels really embarrassing to admit that, to be like, you know, I am an abused person. I've been in an abusive situation. Like there's such negativity in our society still around people um, that have experienced abuse that a lot of times they just don't want anybody to know. Um, and also then there's the fear too of, well, if I say something and this person gets reported and then what if they um, come back and hurt me because they were reported and I said something. So this is a good alternative, you know, for people that are feeling that. Absolutely. You know, and it's also good for, you know, the people who have performance issues. You know, I've worked with uh, people who've had performance issues, whether it's, you know, sports performance or performance over uh, an exam, uh, or it could even be transferred over to sexual performance. You know, if they've experienced a trauma that has kind of taken their, you know, brought their libido down or whatever it may be. Um, we're able to work with those traumas. Uh, for example, I've worked with, um, you know, professional athletes who are anxious about um, the big game or, you know, the, 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 the big fight that's coming up. Um, and as well as people who've been studying for, you know, big exams in their life, you know, the boards, the bar. Um, a lot of time people spend so much time stressing about you know this upcoming event uh and it could be like hey you know you're starting to date some girl or some guy and 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 you're super anxious about the first time you're gonna have sex with them 
um, you know, are you going to live up to the standards or whatever standards it is that you're putting in your head? Um, so we're able to kind of calm that down. Uh, I think a great example that I can give for you for that is uh, I remember there was a woman that came to me for, um, she was studying for her boards, I believe. And she, it was about maybe two months before her boards. And she said to me, she was like, I'm so stressed that I can't even study because I'm so nervous and stressed. Um, I'm so scared. You know, this is her life. You know, she's been through, you know, eight years of schooling, if not more. I think uh, she was, she was, um, I think she ended up being a dermatologist or something like that. Um, but anyway, um, after we were able to process that, um, that fear that she had, um, she was able to study and she called me up after she got her results, which she passed. And she said to me, um, you know, what was interesting was that she sat down for her exam and she did her exam, left early, all right, finished and left early. And she said she went in there as cool as a cucumber, not stressed, no, nothing was able to just focus and with, you know, no, you know, nervousness or anything like that. So that was pretty cool to, to see. And we can do this also with, you know, again, if you're, um, anxious about an upcoming event or anxious about a date that you're going to have. Um, these are things that we can work with to kind of take that fear or that emotion uh, away. Yeah, I can see how this would be effective when men have performance anxiety. And uh, maybe there was a situation at one point where they didn't show up in bed the way they wanted to. And then they've let that impact them. Like they didn't process it. And then they keep repeating that situation over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just that is that, you know, today with, you know, social media, you know, this is for, for women and men. Um, you, you, there's, you know, you're like, Oh, I don't have, I don't look like this person, you know, or I don't have the body like this person. Or, you know, what is my significant other or the girl that I'm going to, or the guy that I'm going to have sex with for the first time? How, how are they going to view you? So you can also make, you can construct these traumas yourself, you know, so you don't have to actually experience it. it you could be building that trauma within yourself. Does that make sense? So you could build, be building these insecurities yourself without actually um, experiencing a trauma. And for that also, we can help process that so that, you know, you become more at peace, uh, with, uh, with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious how colors influence your mood. I know you spoke about this briefly, but can you go into that a little bit more? Sure. So, you know, when, when I'm, when I see people in person, I, I mix color therapy with auricular therapy. So for those of you that don't know what auricular therapy is, auricular therapy is basically European acupuncture, in particular French acupuncture, which is basically based on uh, neurology. So it's not like your typical uh, Chinese um, acupuncture, which is based more on energy and chi, Auricular therapy is based on uh, neurology. So I know if I stimulate a specific zone in your ear, I'm going to have an effect somewhere in your body. So there are parts of the ear 
that represents the limbic system. Okay. And that I all, and there's also another part of the ear that gives me access to that vagus nerve. Okay. So that vagus nerve is that whole rest and digest. Okay. Um, so that's what you'll, you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, that rest and digest, you know, that feeling of calmness. Okay. So I, the, the, I'm able to access these, uh, these, these parts of the body through the ear using auricular therapy by using specific colors on those zones of the ear to process that trauma or to downregulate uh, that sympathetic tone. You know, that whole like, you know, I, I can't breathe, uh, like I, I feel like my throat is closing up or like somebody's sitting on my chest. We could calm all of those down. Like I'm sure, Sarah, you remember we worked with that with you when you, um, I remember when we were working with, with the thing with your grandmother, the experience with your grandmother, that I remember you saying to me, well, I still feel it a little bit in my chest. And then we went through a different zone on, on your ear. And all of a sudden, those chest feelings, those visceral sensations went down. So that's how I work in person um, for traumas. Now, for internal conflicts, I use colors on the eyes. Now, I could use a machine for that, or I could also use colored lenses. So, for example, let's say, well, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. The way that that works is when light enters your eyes, it doesn't just go to your visual cortex. The visual cortex is in the back of your head. That's where all the images are deciphered. That's where it's all put together, okay? That's, you know, so when you're looking at the screen, that's what's going on. It's going to that visual cortex, that image is being put together. But that's not the only part of the brain that's activated when light enters your eyes. Light goes to other structures of your brain through the optic nerve. It's going to go through different structures of the brain. One of those structures is the limbic system. So we use colors to influence that limbic system. So for example, have you ever looked through a magazine or walked down the street and you know seen like a red car and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I remember that red dress that I wore you know, to my prom. Or it just triggers if you remember something else just by seeing you're flipping through a magazine like, oh, I remember that my first blue car or whatever. That's because the, that color is influencing that area of the brain. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So that's how I use colors to help. I use the colors on the eyes more for internal conflicts. And internal conflict would be, for example, if you said to me, it's not traumatic, but um, should I or should I not leave my job? Should I leave my boyfriend? Should I not leave my boyfriend or my girlfriend, my significant other or whatever it may be, or my partner? Um, and maybe it's not a traumatic experience, but it's something that you're battling back and forth with. Uh, and that's for those types of situations, I kind of like to use colors through the eyes to help take the emotion out of that decision. So it's not that uh, you're going to be like, oh, I know what to do now. What it's going to do, it's going to take the emotion out of it so that you can now make a rational decision opposed to an emotional decision. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. No, that's great. 
really good. That would help a lot of people. I mean, so many people walk around with this internal conflict and it just wastes so many hours in a day mm -hmm. when you've got that going on. You know, you can't focus on anything else. You're just back and forth over and over. Should I do this? Should I do this? You're driving your friends crazy. You're driving your family crazy. Talking about exactly. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty interesting because again, it's not going to solve the problem for you, but you're not going to be able to do a rational decision instead of that emotional one. And that whole battling back and forth thing goes away. Mm -hmm. So how does this differ from therapy? So with, with therapy, listen, talk therapy is amazing. Uh, but when there is a disconnect remember when we first started chatting we talked about when something happens a trauma happens or a very intense internal conflict happens there's a disconnect between the hemispheres of the brain okay that information isn't transferring over to the other side so for a right-handed person usually that information when it first comes in it's going to be on the right hemisphere and it needs to transfer over to the left hemisphere. So you can be in talk therapy and you can keep reliving the trauma, talking about it, reliving it, reliving it and crying and being emotional about it or whatever it is that's going on. Um, but it doesn't seem to get better or it gets a little better. And that's because that there's still a disconnect there. So by doing these types of techniques, we are reconnecting the hemispheres. We are transferring that information to that other hemisphere to process. Once that happens, now when you go to talk therapy, you're able to now talk about these situations, talk about these uh, experiences without having that, all those visceral sensations or all that anger or sadness or fear that uh, was coming from them. Yeah, so this can help you get more out of a talk therapy experience, basically. Exactly. You know, this isn't, this isn't here to, you know, to replace talk therapy. If anything, this is just there to kind of enhance it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's a million-dollar skill that you can teach the listeners, one thing that they can take away today? So, you know, I think there's, there's a few things I, I'm sure, you know, many of you already do or know I've, or I've heard of box breathing. You know, box breathing is great. Uh, for those of you that don't know box breathing, it's basically you're going to inhale. It's like a box. So you're going to inhale for four seconds and then you're going to hold, you know, that breath for four seconds. Then you're going to exhale and you're going to hold, you know, for four seconds. Then you're going to inhale, hold, exhale, hold. Each one is going to be for about four seconds. That's great. That can really calm you down. But, you know, another option could be, you know, if you have, a, you know, some, you know, colored lenses, uh, glasses around, laying around, you can try those out. What you'll find is that certain colors, they may actually calm you down. Other colors may actually kind of hype you up. So if you're feeling a little bit down and out, uh, you can try, like, let's say maybe a color red or a color yellow or an orange, or let's say you're, you kind of want to get out of that fight or flight mode. You can try like maybe a violet or a blue, uh, maybe even a green to kind of calm you down a little bit. And what you'll find is that 
this isn't going to be for everybody. This is very general. Okay. So for example, for you, Sarah, you may say to me, Hey, I feel very, I want to calm down. And I put these blue lenses on and I get overly active. Like it actually makes the symptoms worse. And that could be because, you know, maybe you had a bad experience in a blue room. Okay. But generally speaking, blue, those lighter colors are going to be more calming. The darker colors, like the, the red, the orange, are going to be more activating. So people can do that. Uh, another thing that, you know, somebody can do right now is let's say they've experienced, you know, there's something that's triggering them. They can cover one eye. So, for example, let's say you can try this at home. There's, you know, there's something that's been bothering you. Think about that situation that's bothering you and just cover your right eye. And you're going to cover that while you're thinking about that situation. And you're going to see if that situation drops down, if it becomes a little bit less significant. Um, or you could also try, you know, comparing, cover the left eye and see if when the right eye is exposed, to see if that intensity either goes up or stays about the same. Usually for most people, uh, especially for right-handers, what you'll find is when the person covers their right eye, exposing the left eye to light, that's going to calm them down a little bit. Uh, so that is a, a, little, uh, a little tip that they can do that might be able to kind of help them calm down in that specific situation to just cover that right eye. And if you want to understand why that happens is again, light enters your, your, uh, your brain through your eyes. And when we're covering that right eye, especially if we're covering it like this, it's going to activate that left hemisphere a little bit more. Okay. And that left hemisphere is a more positive hemisphere. So by covering that right eye, we're, getting rid of that negative one and we're activating that more positive one. So that can uh, potentially help. Okay. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, I felt when I did that with you, I definitely noticed a difference as well. I think we went more, more deeply into it um, than just, you know, the covering the, the right eye. Um, but the thing that I was working on in that situation has pretty much resolved as well. Yeah, so so what I do for, for those virtual sessions, I do, I could use colors, you know, I'll send my clients, you know, specific colors to look at uh, in a, in a, um, in a specific uh, order, or I'll have them do certain movements with their eyes, very different than EMDR, um, but I'll have them do specific things with their eyes, have her, have them cover, uh, an eye sometimes, sometimes I have them do a specific affirmation in between. Um, again, the results are the same, whether they're virtual or in person. The only difference is that in person, it will take me about anywhere between three to five minutes to process the trauma. Virtually can take me, you know, five, 15 minutes to process, uh, uh, a trauma. So it's a little bit more work on my end. Um, and the client has to kind of jump in and, and, and work with me uh, to follow my instructions when it's done virtual. But the results are always the same, just like how you mentioned, uh, you know, 
it's been resolved. Once it's resolved, once it's processed, it is processed. There's no need to do a follow-up for that uh, same situation, trauma or internal conflict. Which is really nice because, you know, things like therapy can take years and years and years to process through. So it's amazing to be able just to have, you know, a situation and you deal with it in 15 minutes and you do it from home and you don't even have to like go to an office or anything. You just pop on your computer 15 minutes and you're done. Like, how nice is that? It is. It is. You know, the, 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 the interesting thing is like, yes, the processing, the actual techniques itself is about 15 minutes, but the sessions are an hour long. Uh, and the reason why they're an hour long is because I want to make sure that they're comfortable. You know, I want to be able to answer all of their questions, um, make sure that we do everything correctly. So the actual techniques, yes, they, they, they don't take me that long to, to, to do. But the the whole experience is about an hour long. And sometimes you process more than one trauma in that. Oh, absolutely. Hour, right. Absolutely. You know, we'll do three, four sometimes. It it really depends. You know, sometimes some traumas, um, you know, for example, let's say, you know, you came to see me like, hey, I was in an abusive relationship. And then I happen to ask you, well, was this the first time that you were abused? And you say, well, when I was a teenager, okay, well, what about, did you see abuse in your household? Well, my mother was abusive towards my father and my father was abusive. So you kind of have to dig in a little bit more towards the past. What happens sometimes is that these traumas can kind of get archived in little files. So sometimes when you get to that root cause, you can process that, that first trauma, that root cause, and all of the other ones go away. But the challenge is finding that root cause. Um, another thing is that a lot of times people, again, this could happen you know, for sexual performance also, is that you just don't know why it happens. Um, or you have these feelings in your chest and you just don't know why you're having these feelings in your chest. So there's certain techniques that I use to kind of trace back to the first time that they felt these type of visceral sensations. Um, so sometimes, you know, it, it, it might not even be a trauma. Um, for example, I remember working on somebody who um, I believe it was their chest that they just kept on feeling these sensations in their chest. And it turned out that the first time that they felt those sensations when they were like maybe seven, eight years old, they were on this little roller coaster ride. And even though they found it to be fun and exciting, their brain registered that as a traumatic experience. So it might not be something that you may think, oh, I haven't had any traumas or there's nothing traumatic that I can remember. The brain might have registered something like that as a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about trauma is that it's different for every single person, and you don't really know what it is that's going to trigger your brain to say this is a traumatic experience. And I know a lot of people have judgment on themselves if they have. Um, trauma that isn't like a really intense, acute traumatic experience that happened. Say, you know, if a woman um, maybe 
a woman was raped and we as a society will recognize like that's a very acute traumatic experience and she like has the right to say she was traumatized but then another woman she was never sexually um she like she wasn't molested she wasn't raped she never had anything really big happen but she can still feel in her body that there's this shutdown there's this lockdown and like she can't fully feel there's pain when she has sex um and we live in such a sex negative society and we carry through past generations trauma that past generations experienced as well and so that the the woman that didn't have an acute traumatic experience maybe feeling like well, I don't really have the right to say that I'm traumatized. I don't have the right to seek help out because, you know, these other people have really bad things that happen to them mm-hmm. and I don't. Um, but it's important to understand that our our brains and our bodies, they experience trauma in different ways. And um, what is traumatic for one person may not be traumatic for another. And it's absolutely we all have the right in the just we shouldn't feel bad about getting help and we shouldn't feel bad about um, saying like, Hey, there's something not right here. And I want to feel better. Um, Even if you can't think of something that was traumatic that happened in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. You know, what's traumatic for you may not be traumatic for me and what's traumatic for me may not be traumatic for you. You know, everybody's brain is, 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 is different. They're going to register trauma differently. So absolutely, I, it's, that's, I think that's a great point that you uh, mentioned. And how can people find you to work with you? I know people have so much trauma from this past year of pandemic in addition to, you know, sexual trauma and stress from work and all the things that are going on in this world and this work is very, very needed. So how can they find with you to work with you online? Um, and you know, just this quick, easy, amazing way to make their lives a lot more fun, fulfilling and, uh, happy. Sure. So, uh, I guess, you know, the, the simplest way is, uh, through my website recap wellness, uh, dot com or through my Instagram uh, recap underscore uh, wellness. Um, you could you know reach out to me on either platform, and you know I'll be more than happy to answer your questions. And uh, if you want to do a session with me, I'll be more than happy to schedule that. Also, if you're looking to learn these type of techniques, if you're a practitioner, um, whether you work with people who are in uh, chronic pain or you're a therapist a psychotherapist, a psychiatrist, psychologist um, that's interested in learning these techniques. I also offer courses in these techniques where I've taught uh, numerous psychiatrists and psychologists. I've taught this to uh, to them. I've also taught this to uh, physical therapists as well, to a wide range of people. Uh, we just started teaching these techniques about two and a half years ago, two and a half, three years ago. Um, so we're, we're, it's, these techniques are starting to spread um but you know we're getting there unfortunately covid put a little stop to our in-person classes but uh we've already had our first virtual class which was very successful we're hoping to have another course uh within the next two months 
Um, so if any of you are interested in learning these techniques, by all means, you could also reach out to me and I could give you more details uh, in regards to that. Awesome. And the in the show notes, all of the links will be included there as well. So that way you can find Raphael and set up a time to work with him. I know we all have a lot of trauma. <laughs> uh, if there's anything about this society, current society that we live in, that is true. It is a very traumatized society. So thank you for doing this work that you're doing and helping so many people that need it. All right, and now we're gonna play Let's Talk About Sex from the Cards for Connection deck that we play every time on Sex and Sarah Rose. And so you can pick a color of the rainbow and then there's cards associated with each color. So red, orange, yellow, green, blue, or purple. What color do you pick today? Let's go with green. All righty. Okay, so the green card today is what I love most about myself is blank. Um, my passion to help people. Anything else? Uh, I would say that's that's the strongest thing. I you know I love that I that I that I like to help people and. Um, that I am, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very uh, young at heart. I really love that about myself, um, that I, I have, uh, I'm very young at heart and I have, uh, my personality is very laid back and, uh, and friendly. So I really like that about myself. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing all this information. Guys, check out the show notes and connect with Raphael there. And I hope to see you soon. And maybe you'll help me process through some more trauma. And uh, <laughs> we'll see. But thanks again for being here. Thank you, Sarah. Loved it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And that is Sex and Sarah Rose. Oh. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight.